Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff. And you might be wondering, what does bringing home the bacon have to do? (laughs) Well, anyways, we will get to that in a moment. But first, if you are a guest with us or you've been gone the last couple of weeks, we are near the end of our series called Transformed. And in this series, we have been focused on how God wants to transform us by changing the way that we think. Because when he changes the way that we think, it changes our hearts and it also changes the way that we behave. And this whole series has been based upon Romans 12 too. And the verses don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you uh, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so during this series, we've been challenging everyone to memorize this verse. And each week we've been taking away uh, different key phrases. And today we're going to take away some more. And so uh, are you ready? Because here is what we're going to give you. Just Romans 12 too. Okay. So are you ready? No, some of you are thinking about that. (laughs) Actually, that's for next week, all right? So today we'll give you a little bit more help. So here we go. Uh, You get a few of the phrases today. So we're going to see how well you do, all right? On the count of three. One, two, three. Don't copy. There you go, but you can look on your sheet, all right, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. Hey, all right, so some of you have got it sort of, all right, so you've got one more week to learn the verse uh, for next week. So let me switch gears and let me tell you about what we're going to talk about today. Today, we are going to talk about transforming our work. Did you know that the average person will spend 91,000 hours at work? That is more than any other area of life that we will spend uh, that amount of time. So no wonder we feel tired, right? I mean, no wonder some of us don't like work. So let me take a little quiz this morning. By a raise of hands, how many of you don't like work? Oh, come on. This isn't on Facebook Live, all right? Be honest here. So raise your hands. Come on. All right. Well, there's a bunch of you, and some of you are like, I don't know. Uh, But uh, well, let me ask you this question, and let me uh, have you respond out loud. All right. So what are some of the reasons that you work? So what are some of the reasons that you work? One, Money. money. Paying bills. bills. Health insurance. insurance. To eat. What else? (laughs) Have time away from your kids. We won't repeat that. It's a good thing the kids are over there. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, those are a bunch of reasons. So now one of the, I think, most obvious reasons is that we work is because of trying to earn money. Now, after Sarah and I got married, uh, I got a job working as a janitor as I was working on my master's, and uh, it was actually a really good deal. It paid actually decent money, uh, and it was very flexible with me going to school. Um, But one of the toughest jobs that I had during that time of uh, cleaning different places was actually the worst place was cleaning the offices of the waste management department, okay? So I gained a new respect for garbage men, okay? And this uh, hopefully doesn't sound cruel or anything, but there's nothing like cleaning up 
after garbage men, all right? So I don't know if it was the place that I was cleaning or what, but it was pretty bad. And so the first thing was like the entire place just smelled like garbage. And they just tracked it into the offices. They did not care. And then the restroom was pretty bad. So as soon as you started cleaning with some kind of cleaning agent, um, you were like committed. I mean, the walls were like just covered in like a dirt encased in it and everything. And you could tell when you started cleaning that you had to clean the whole thing. And then to make matters worse, uh, some of these guys, uh, or a lot of them, dipped. And they would just spit in the corners of these restrooms. And so, yeah, yeah, that was nasty. Uh, And then obviously their mamas did not teach them on how to hit the toilets, okay? And so every once in a while I'd throw goldfish in there just to kind of help them out. Um, No, I didn't do that. But, uh, uh, But anyways, it was really rough. And the only reason that I did that job was because of money. And I knew it was only on uh, that I had to do it for a short season as well. And so that kind of reminds us, and it's kind of interesting what happens the longer that we work. You know, the longer that we work, uh, we find that some of our motivation for work starts to dissipate or go away. Uh, For some of us, we started out to make a name for ourselves, you know. And we, we went in there and we thought we're going to get the promotion. And all of a sudden we didn't get the promotion and our motivation didn't last. Or for some of us, we were trying to achieve this certain award and we attained it. But now it just sits on a shelf collecting dust and doesn't mean anything to us anymore. Or for some of us, um, you know, we thought we were going to start out by changing the world. And then we got into the real world and we learned from the real school of hard knocks. Or for some of us, we started out with the idea that we were going to make a lot of money, and we made it. But then we found that there's another issue, that we still want more and more of it. Or there's this standard now that we've got to keep up with and keep at a certain point, and now we're afraid to lose our job or or not make as much because we've got to arrive at this certain standard. Then there's some of us who are just looking down and kind of counting down the days until retirement because when we get there, you know, we'll arrive then at that point. But yet, when you go into retirement homes, many of the people there, they wish they had some work. I mean, they wish that there was some way that they could be useful to others. And so, what should be our motivation for work? I mean, if our motivation doesn't last long or it can take us into the wrong directions, what should be our motivation for work? Um, You know, is there something that we can do in our work that at the end of uh, our time that we will feel like we've been useful and that our lives have mattered? And so it's a great question to ask as we all are part of the workforce. We all do something uh, along the lines of work. And so uh, you might find it interesting, but God has a lot to say about work. And so today we're going to look at his thoughts uh, today. We're going to check out what he has to say about work. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphone devices, uh, please turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And if you don't have a Bible, feel free to get one from the back as a gift to you. Or you can start a business and begin to try to sell them on eBay. You might be better than me. I tried it. It didn't work. Uh, But anyways, just kidding on that one. Uh, So... Um, But anyways, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1-1. It's up near the front, the very first uh, book of the Bible, and I'll give you a moment to get there, and we'll be putting the verses up on the screen, but I will be jumping around a lot, and you might have to work to keep up, but that'll be a good thing. So go ahead and turn to Genesis 1-1. 
All right, now before we jump into these verses, uh, I want to set up two differing mindsets regarding work, and this is important to frame this, all right? So the author of Genesis, or the book of Genesis, records God's creation as work, and so he describes it as a very creative and systematic process uh, that God enjoyed doing. And so work wasn't some like necessary evil. Uh, It wasn't some form of punishment for, uh, as some other belief systems say, or other creation accounts account for or imply. Instead, work was something that God did. And he took uh, great joy in doing it. And he took great delight in doing work. Now, this stands out in major contrast to other thought systems and in other belief systems. Uh, For example, the ancient Greeks, um, when they looked at work, they thought it was demeaning. They thought it was beneath them. Aristotle, kind of like one of the top guys, uh, he said this about work. He said that some people are born to be slaves. Now, he wrote that. And what he meant by that, around that uh, phrase that he put there, He was like, some people are not as capable in higher thought and therefore should do the work that frees up the more brilliant and talented. Now, if somebody wrote that today, I mean, we would be up in arms, right? But yet, this Greek thought and another Greek thought has infiltrated our culture. And this is how it's infiltrated it. As a society, don't we look down upon those who do service jobs, you know? Don't we want our kids to attend colleges that are for the best and for the brightest, and we will go into great debt to make that happen? Don't uh, many of us choose to go unemployed rather than take a job that we feel is beneath us, you know? So it all goes back to this mindset from the Greeks and, uh, you know, that some groups or some jobs are better than another. Another mindset that they had uh, was that the Greeks also believed that work was a necessary evil. So aren't we always thinking that work is something that we have to do, you know? Don't many of us choose careers or jobs that pay a certain level of pay because if we did that other thing that we really enjoyed doing, it just doesn't pay as much? So it's really crazy how much this Greek thoughts or these Greek thoughts have really uh, boiled into or infiltrated our culture. And that's why Paul wrote in uh, Romans 12 too, uh, not only about the Greeks, but writing to all of us, and this happens, he says up front, you know, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world because there are mindsets that can give us the improper view of work and it can harm us and it can harm others. So today we're going to unpack God's design for work, and it's going to take a little bit of time to unpack, and then we're going to explore his motivation and what he has to offer. And uh, as we dive into it, we're going to find that it is freeing and that God wants to unlock, actually, our potential. And so by the end, we'll see how he wants to do that. So starting in Genesis 1-1, He starts out with writing, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so for the entire chapter, chapter one, God is busy working and creating and enjoying what he's doing. Six times in that chapter, if I can summarize it, he says what he has created was very good. And on the seventh day, he takes kind of sits back or he kind of takes a step back and takes it all in. And he says, that is very good. 
And so it's kind of like us, when we create something that matters to us, you know, we take a step back and we take pride in it. Now, recently I got to watch a guy here at Epic uh, make some display boards for us. And as I watched these things come together, it was amazing to see his personality in it. He did all these intricate details. I wish the pictures could show it. Um, and part of that process was he just did these things that uh, I would never imagine doing. I mean, I can't do that kind of stuff. I'm not good at building things. And without all these details, um, the boards just wouldn't come to life. And so the cool part for me was watching him as he just beamed as he was making these things. I mean, he was in his sweet spot. Uh, It wasn't work for him. He took such satisfaction and delighted in what he was doing. And when God worked, it kind of reminds me of Genesis, when God worked, you know, it wasn't work to him. Work was something to be delighted in. And it delighted him. And the reason it delighted him was actually because he had you in mind. And let's continue. So skipping down to Genesis 1.26, on the sixth day of creation, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So in Genesis 2, we get this huge detailed description of just how valuable we are to God, how much we matter to him. And if I can summarize, God used his hands to shape Adam. And then he took a bone and fashioned Eve. There was nothing that he did or he created like that. And so uh, each were unique, but both were fashioned by him. And then he put a spirit in their physical bodies, a spirit that is like his. And so we can create as well. We can work. We can enjoy the things that we have made. And we can make choices as well. And then it also shows that uh, God was really like a gardener. Um, in the, all the descriptions, he was a gardener who was providing, and he was shaping and fashioning for them. And it just reminds us that all work is valuable, all right? No task was too small for him. Nothing was beneath him as a gardener. When we think of gardeners, we think, oh, they're on the t- you know, bottom of the totem pole. But yet, he is shown to be a gardener, and all work was valuable to God. And so what does that mean to us? Well, all kinds of work is valuable in God's eyes. Um, You know, sometimes stay-at-home moms, um, they kind of get a bad rap in our culture. And so I don't know if you notice, whenever you run into a stay-at-home mom and you ask them what they do and they tell you, uh, most people don't know how to respond to them. I mean, they just kind of, oh, you do that? And, um, you know, stay-at-home moms are amazing. They have been wired to do that. And their task is to shape and fashion these little ones that have been given to them by God. They are amazing at it, and they are gifted, and it is awesome to watch them in their sweet spot. Now, does it bring home the bacon? No, it doesn't. But that's a cultural mindset. A cultural mindset that we have in our society is that you are valued based upon how much money you bring home. That is your value. But in God's economy, you were created by him. You have a certain wiring. And so therefore, all work has value and dignity. Not one job is better than the other. That's what God presents. And we'll see it as we continue to unpack here as we continue on. So then God does something unique with us. And check this out in verse 28 of chapter 1. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. 
reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So right here, God commissions or calls us to carry on his work with him, okay? He includes us in his work. He tells human beings to fill the earth and to govern it. And that word govern in some other translations is translated to subdue, which means although all that God had created was good, there were things that he left on purpose to be underdeveloped, that they were not fully developed. And he did that on purpose because his intention is to invite us to join with him in continuing to unlock the potentials of this world. And we have seen it throughout human history. I mean, it's amazing what has happened in the world of business or science and medicine and government. When those things go right, we are taken care of. And that is awesome in every aspect of life. And so some of you, you were wired to create businesses. In fact, there's a couple guys here who are amazing at it. And um, there's this one guy in particular, he sees that his job is to uh, bring value to other people and touch their lives. And so it's not about the bottom line with him or not making the greatest profit for himself. And so what he does is he uses some of his profit to take care of his employees, And he goes beyond the standard of like what's normal in the industry. And so that's God-like. He's like a gardener who's shaping and fashioning um, his work to help other employees to become uh, fully alive, to be able to live at a better means. And so he's not about like trying to do things for himself or serve the almighty God. Instead, he's joining with God and unlocking the potential of others. And that's amazing. That's what God wanted. Now let's continue to see how else he wires us and see how it kind of impacts us together. Skipping on down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each other. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. So God assigned this job to Adam, all right? And by Adam naming the animals, he was contributing to bringing organization to the world that God had created. And God has wired everyone, all of us, to work and contribute. And it's amazing to watch what has happened in society because God has created all of us. It's his way to take care of everyone. I mean, you just look at some of the recent advancements in society. I mean, you look at what we can do now in health and in science and technology. Um, many of you might have this indication of this, and let me kind of you know, tease this out a little bit. But um, God has always been about providing. I mean, you know this certain prayer, and maybe some of you do or some of you don't, but there's a certain pray, prayer that we have all probably experienced in some form or fashion. It's the Lord's Prayer. It was the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. They asked him, hey, how should we pray? And he said, hey, here's this model prayer. And some of you said it at your grandparents' house, or some of you like went to a friend's house and said, uh, I don't know that, but I'll keep bowing my head because they're saying it. Uh, so help me out. Let's get to the bread part because that's what I want to focus on. Uh, some of you, I know, know this. So let's start out. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. See, you can memorize verses. Look at that, you know? You just memorized like three right there, all right? So you've got one left, all right? Next week, all right? Just one more verse to go. You've already got that verse down. But anyways, uh, let me focus on this uh, providing daily bread for us. How do we get our bread today, you know? Isn't it through the farmer? And who gets his skills? And who provides the sunshine and the rain and all those things? Then it goes to the baker, then the retailer, and then the computer programmer who sends out the trucks to deliver the bread all over the place. And so everyone is contributing. Everyone is wired a certain way. Everyone is doing their work. And what does that mean? It means that every person doing their work is contributing to God's care of everyone. Now, if the world worked perfectly, and we understand that it doesn't, but if we all got along, I mean, this country alone could feed the entire world with no problem because of all the advancements that we have. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, that's the point. That's why I don't believe in what you're saying up here. And I'm glad you asked the question, all right, of why that is so tough, because here's the answer. Thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles. It's thorns and thistles. Let's check it out in Genesis 2. He even puts it in there. In Genesis 2, uh, verse 16, God gave Adam just this one rule to follow. Okay, just one. Not 10, not 300 and something, just one. Verse 16, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die So what's so special about this tree? The tree was a test. God, in essence, was saying, hey, I want you to do one thing. I just want you to obey me. I want you to simply love me because you have seen how much I love you. I just want you to love me for who I am. All that I've done, what I've created, and all those things. I don't need your love, but it would just be a great response And so he gives Adam and Eve this choice. And because he didn't want robots to control or puppets to manipulate or anything, and it's a choice that we all value today, it was simply a choice. And yet, in that moment, we blew it. We went against the one who created everything. And as a result, there's thorns and thistles. And they continue to grow. And they continue to call difficulties in our experience in this life. And we know this. I mean, when Adam and Eve sinned, I mean, sin affected everything. Nothing works as it should. And we all are very aware of that. And we can't blame Adam and Eve. You know, we would have done the same thing. In fact, we kind of contribute in our jobs right now. I mean, uh, don't we all uh, are part of the problem? You know, don't we take shortcuts uh, that we know aren't right just to simply make more money? Don't we try to sell things that we know that people don't really need because we need our commission? Or don't we uh, simply take a little time here or there, you know, because no one's looking, and, uh, you know, I'll take a little extra time at lunch and everything uh, because we deserve it. Or don't we stretch the truth uh, to try to get a certain job or to try to get a promotion? You know, that's thorns and thistles, and they are rooted in our hearts, And the the problem with thorns and thistles is that they grow, and yet God continues to provide a way out from them as well. And so in Genesis 2.1, here's a reminder uh, that he sets up for us to be able to monitor our hearts. 
He says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And so when God chose to rest on the seventh day, it wasn't because he needed to rest. He did it to set for us an example. It helps us to pause and put into proper perspective uh, life. And taking a day of rest is an act of trust. It keeps us from thinking that we are the ones who are making it happen, you know? It helps us to slow down and thank the one who has provided We are to go out and enjoy his creation, enjoy the things that he has made. I mean, when you go and enjoy that boat, I mean, you could never put together that boat on your own, form all those pieces, manufacture all those pieces, and it's because of the advancement of technology that you can go out and buy a boat instead of spending your entire lifetime coming up with a little paddle boat, you know? That's what he has done. And so we are to thank him for what he's created and that he's done that for us. We're to take time to encourage other Christ followers because of the week that's ahead of us. You know, it's a reminder that there will be thorns, there will be thistles. It is a tough life that we live in because one day we're reminded that Jesus made a promise that he will come back and make all things new. And it's a reminder that the work that we are doing today does matter. And so until then, The question then is, what do we do? I mean, if that's God's, you know, vantage point of work, then how do we do work, you know? What's our motivation? And Paul writes in another book, listen to what he says. So Paul's life was changed as he entered into a relationship with Jesus. And he wrote this. He said in 1 Corinthians 7, 17, each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you whether that's temporary work or the dream job that you have, and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. So Paul counsels those that he's writing who've just become Christ followers that, yeah, not only are they to serve others, which he goes on to talk about, other Christ followers, but he says right here that your other assignment is to serve others, the ones that you come into contact with in life and through your work. Now, why? Why? And Jesus flushes this out. He said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father and see that he is good so that they will be able to come to know him, enter into a relationship with the God of the universe. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us today? You know, a lot of the questions that we ask ourselves is the wrong questions. So the question that we really need to ask ourselves regarding motivation is not this, the the question that is mostly prevalent in our society. The question is, what will make me the most money and give me the most status? That is the wrong question to ask. The question we must now ask is how, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to others. Let me say that again. How with my existing abilities and, co- and connections or opportunities can I be the greatest service to others? That's what God is asking of us. That's what he wants us 
to have as our motivation. So, what's our motivation for work? It's to serve God. How do we do that? We do our best for the rest. Since the beginning, God has been giving his best. He has been fashioning and shaping everything for us, and he asks us with the way that he has wired us to shape and fashion for others. Because when someone takes notice of what we are doing, then, and then, we will want to know, they will want to know the one that we serve, the one who loves them. So, how can you do your best for the rest? That's the question. How can, regardless of your situation, how can you do your best for the rest? For example, um, if you are at a temporary job right now and you know that this is not your long-term position, you do your best for the rest. People will take notice. They know that this is only a temporary job for you, but they'll wonder why you work so hard. So you do your best for the rest. For others of you, maybe you're working for a boss who's not very good to you or to others as well, but you do your best for the rest because when that boss sees your actions, it may change them. It may start to have them ask questions of why you work so hard and why you're different from the rest. You know, For some of you, uh, you think as soon as you retire, you're done, but that's not the truth. You know, there are so many opportunities for you to participate in. So you do your best for the rest. There's one person that I know uh, when she retired, she was an accountant and a nurse, two interesting things. But here's what's happening. So she has those two skills and she's gotten involved in a nonprofit right here in Palm Coast. And if she didn't have those two skill sets, she couldn't do what she's doing right now. And she gives three days because that's all she can give. So she does her best by giving to the rest. There's another person that I know who was a former executive and he mentors up and coming kind of guys and that's how he gives his best. And for those of you who are business people, maybe you should consider instead of making this highest margin of profit and everything, maybe taking some of that and investing that in your employees so that they can flourish. Or maybe taking some of that and going towards something that has tugged on your heart forever. And why is that tugged on your heart forever? Who put that there to do something within this community? So that's how you can give your best for the rest. For some of you, you're school teachers. And if you do your best for the rest, that will speak volumes to students. They will come to you with their problems. Maybe even other teachers will come because they will wonder why you do what you do. And you can share with them your story of how you do your best and why you do your best. Or for some of you, you're in emergency services and often you are not thanked enough for what you do. But realize that God has wired you to stand in the gap to do your best for the rest of us. And when time comes, you do an amazing job that he has wired you to do, that none of us could do. Or for some of us, you know, maybe you work in government and you do your best for the rest by making this a community that people want to be a part of. And when they come here, they rub shoulders with us as we do our best for the rest. And they wonder why we do that. And all of a sudden they see that we are for Flagler and that God is for them. Could you imagine if we did together our best for the rest? I mean, could you imagine through our daily work how God's love could be on display for all to see? Your wiring is not an accident. 
The God of the universe put that in you. And so together, if we did our best for the rest, how would that impact so many people? And would they be able to come to know our Heavenly Father as their Heavenly Father? That's the desire that God wants for us. That's how we can be used. That's the motivation that we should wake up with every single day. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. And during that time, I'm going to pause for a second. And if there's been something that's been kind of struck within you of like, maybe you're not giving your best, or maybe you need to ask that question of God, what does that look like in my life? During that pause, I just want you to commit to doing your best or just saying, God, continue to teach me on what you want me to do with the way that you've wired me. And what can I do to be for the rest? And so let's go ahead and pray together, and then I'll close us out. So, Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you that since the beginning of creation, your intention was to invite us to join in doing your work. And we know we messed up. And yet we see your hand working. It is amazing where we are at today with all that we have from your provision. God, you love us so much, and yet so many things get in the way, so many different mindsets, so many different things from different cultures or different just ways to look at things. But God, you see all work as valuable. There's not one job that's better than the other, and that's amazing. We are so ruthless. We don't want to admit that, but we are so competitive, God. And so, God, right now I just pause. Maybe someone needs to talk to you about doing their best, or God may be asking you to show them what you would want them to do for the rest. So, Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for sending your Son as a carpenter who made things for others. May we do the same thing and use our lives for others as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, that's all that we have today. Next week, we are concluding this series, uh, Transform. So come back next week as we wrap up this series. Have a great day.